Well, good morning. This is week two in our series on uh, the armor of God having to do with spiritual warfare. And of course, you can check out um, any of the other sermons there on our website. There are notes in the back. I have a lot of scripture verses for you uh, today that you may want to go back uh, and reread and just, um, you know, just ponder them uh, just a little bit. And so the question that I posed to you last week was regarding the spiritual battle and are you in the battle? And some folks say, I have another, enough problems in my life. I don't want to get involved in some spiritual battle. Uh, but the problem is if you are a Christian, you are born again. God has called you to be in the spiritual battle, to win the battle of the spirit versus the flesh, which is a, a, a daily battle. And of course, a couple of weeks ago, we took a look at who the enemy is. The enemy, of course, is Satan. Satan was kicked out of God's presence, took one third of the angels with him. Uh, we don't know how many that is, uh, but it seems to be a pretty good amount. And they are the ones that like to cause havoc in the world and especially in the lives in the lives of Christians. And they are also involved in thwarting the plans of Almighty God. And that's what they do. And so last week I talked about the bell of truth. There needs to be a foundation. There needs to be a truth. And that truth always goes back to God's word. What does God's word have to say about this and about that and about the other? Open your Bibles up to Romans chapter 5 or follow along on the big screen there. So the truth in your life, all, all is to be based again in God's word. And today I want to talk to you about righteousness and what righteousness is. Our key verses for this series is Ephesians chapter 6 verses 12 through 14. Paul says, for our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place. And so righteousness, how can we be righteous? The Bible says there are none righteous, not one. And but Paul is telling us to put on that breastplate of righteousness. And so no matter how much effort uh, we put into being righteous, we don't measure up. Uh, it's all because of the cross and we are given righteousness because of Christ. And we put our trust in him. And so every single religion in the world today says you have to do something to become righteous. You have to do something to obtain eternal life, except for biblical Christianity that says your righteous acts are as filthy rags, right? In Isaiah 64, 6. And Paul says in Ephesians, you know, you're saved by grace through faith, not of yourselves, not of works, lest any man uh, should boast. Uh, and you do things for the Lord because of your love for him, but you cannot be righteous by something that you do other than receiving Christ. And so people get involved in legalism. Uh, you have to do this and that and the other, and then uh, you will be righteous. And there's all kinds of different ideas out there and different religions in the world in, in, in what they say is the road to obtaining eternal life. And all has to do with doing something. So here's Romans chapter 5. Beginning in verse 9, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have now received uh, reconciliation. So go back a couple pages. Go to Romans chapter 3. And so we've been reconciled to God. We were God's enemies because of our sin. Sin has to be addressed. And 
uh, if, in order to be God's children, uh, he will impute that righteousness. That's the first thing on your uh, handout there. It's our legal standing is clear. There's none righteous, not one, but because of Christ. Here in Romans chapter 3, beginning in verse 9, what shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all, for we all have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are under the power of sin, as it is written. There is no, no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. And so Paul is reminding us whether Jew or Gentile, uh, without God's grace, nobody's measuring up. It's all about God's grace. Uh, no one understands. No one seeks God. Everyone falls short of God's glory. And so talking about that righteousness, it comes only because of Christ. And he goes on down in verse 21. Now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And so it's all about a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's how uh, we become righteous and right, where we receive righteousness and getting that full, full armor of God, that bre uh, belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness, being able to stand firm when the day of evil comes. And there's a lot of evil out there uh, in the world today, but it all goes back to the cross. That's where our focus always should be. Now go to Ephesians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And it's all about uh, the heart. The breastplate protects the heart. Uh, Satan will attack your heart, and he uses uh, the regression of deception. Uh, guilt, shortcomings, failures, unworthiness, uh, defeat. You know, give up, curse God, and die. That's what he wants you to do. You know, questioning God's word. Did God really say? Did God really say? And so your second point there is the heart of the matter. Uh, Solomon says in Proverbs chapter 4, he says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And Proverbs chapter 3 reminds us to trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And don't lean on, don't lean on your own understanding. And so in Hebrew, the heart actually refers to our, our, our emotions, our intellect, our understanding, our discernment, encompassing one's values. Uh, and our value should be based on God's word and the example of the Lord Jesus Christ who said this in Luke chapter 6. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And so Jesus points out that the fact that who a person is will eventually come out by what they're saying. And he goes on to say, a good tree doesn't bear bad fruit and a bad tree doesn't bear good fruit. You will know a tree by its fruit, just give it some time. And so if you testify uh, that you have received Christ uh, and you have evidence of a changed heart, it's time uh, to get in that battle, to get in that spiritual battle, to do the work of the Lord. And the number one goal for us is to glorify God, but to reach souls, lost souls uh, for the Lord. Uh, pray for lost souls come alongside our lost souls. Uh, somebody shared the gospel with you at some point in your life, whoever it was. And so you need to do uh, that same thing based on your faith in Christ. So producing fruit for God is what he wants from us. 
Luke 8.15 says, But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a good crop. And so there's a spiritual process here. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 22. He says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And so because of Christ, we have a new life and the believer is to put off the old self and be reminded that because of Christ, we should be continually being molded into the likeness of Christ. Christian means little Christ. Do we look like a little Christ? Are we becoming more like Christ the older we get in our faith? And that's, that's what God's goal is for us. And so it should be a diligent pursuit of this to become like Jesus. Romans six thirteen, Paul says this, Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. And so Paul's uh, encouraging us to dedicate our lives to the Lord and be reminded of where we have come from and where we are now. Romans 6 Verse 17, but thanks be to God that though you have, that you, though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves uh, to righteousness. And so it goes back to the beginning, that simple process. Abraham believed and the Lord credited to him as righteousness. And so Abraham stepped out in faith. He listened to God's calling, and he was known as a man of faith. Um, and it's important because Romans chapter 4 talks about that, Galatians 3, 6. Uh, James says the same thing. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. And so an individual is justified by their faith in God and putting their faith into action. Now, go to, the, uh, go to 1 John 3.16. I'm going to give you uh, several verses here, and they're listed at the bottom of the insert there, and they're going to be easy to remember because they're all 16s. So, several weeks ago, of course, we looked at Satan, his personality, his will, um, his helpers, and then the week following, you know, their plans for your life. Then we moved on to the foundation of truth and the testimony that is based on God's word and God's will. And we know that Satan does different things in people's lives. He'll attack your body, he'll attack your family, um, he'll attack your, your testimony, and he wants to make Christians ignorant uh, of God's will. And he misquotes and twists scripture, he does it all the time. You saw in Job there, uh, he attacked Job's body. Um, and, you know, using his wife, and I know we, we were a little harsh on, on Mrs. Job, I don't know what her name was, I just call her Mrs. Job, and she, she said, curse God and die. But how soon after all these events happened in Job's life would I have been saying the same thing? I mean, you saw what, he ha what happened to Job. He lost everything in a matter of minutes. Everything in his life um, you know, was turned upside down. And he didn't know uh, what was going on in God's presence, the accusations from Satan. So here's the spiritual battle. Number one, the victory is ours. The victory is ours. Um, you know, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. We sing the, the song, song. what would you do with the money for singing lessons? I spent it on candy. Joyful noise, that's what it's about. Jesus said in John 19, in verse 30, after he received the drink there on the cross, he said, it is finished. It is finished. Paid in full on the cross at Calvary. And I think um, 
You know, people forget about that. Christians, some of them as they get older in their faith, uh, try to put more rules and regulations upon people that you need to do this and that and the other to be, you know, a good Christian. I did a memorial service on, um, uh, on Tuesday, and it was a great opportunity, uh, 150, 200 people, uh, most of them that never go to church. And so I gave them this scenario. I said, I've been studying the Bible for 35 years. I've preached almost 3,000 messages. I've been all over the world doing mission work, and I spent you know, five years in Bible college and two years in seminary and on and on. And I said, what is the conclusion of all this study? Faith alone in Christ alone. And he goes back to the thief on the cross, Luke 23, 43. He said to Jesus, he, Jesus said to the thief, today you'll be with me where? In paradise. He didn't go to church. He didn't go to seminary. He didn't do anything good except be a thief. And he was being crucified for his faith. And I, and I think that is so important to remember that that, you know, we'll call it a deathbed conversion, uh, if you will. And so um, all, we'll always have to remember about God's grace. And God's grace is always there while someone is still here uh, upon the earth. And so there's, the world's going to have trouble. Jesus said, be of good cheer. You know, the world's having trouble, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And so because of his shed blood and our faith and our victory, because of him, number two, he wants you to lay down your life. Lay down your life for him. First uh, John three sixteen and on. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. And so that self-sacrifice. So what happens in relationships, uh, in marriages and relationships with people? Someone becomes selfish. And, um, and then the relationships begin to, uh, begin to fall apart. And so that's what Christ is asking of us. He said, he, he's asking us to give sacrificially, uh, to surrender, to have full surrender. So that word last week, that doulos in James, that slave for Christ, voluntarily sacrificing ourselves uh, for him. That's what love is. And here's the, you know, the verse, most folks have it memorized. Uh, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And so from John 3.16, that core verse, that, that key verse, Jesus talking with Nicodemus there at nighttime in John chapter 3. And so from John 3.16 to 1 John 3.16, it stems from the foundation of love, which begins in uh, John 3.16. And he goes on in John 4.16. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And so a, a life filled with uh, real love is living, uh, you know, living a God-filled filled life, which should be the goal of every believer. But for many, it's a, it's a struggle. The spiritual battle can sometimes overwhelm us. Uh, you're in that daily battle. Jesus said the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And sometimes you, you want to give up. You're fighting the old sin nature. You're out in the world, which is Satan's domain. Satan is out there with all of his henchmen, all working against you to discourage you uh, and to give up and blame it on God. It's all God's fault. That's what he wants to do. Now go back a page or two to 1 John 2.16. And here you see the contrast of loving God is what? For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh... Lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. 
And when we, when we run into trouble in our um, relationships, you know, in our Christian lives, when that is happening, it's usually because we're giving in to the, uh, you know, the sinful nature, yielding to temptation. James says this, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Now go to 1 Corinthians 3.16, another 16. So when relationships begin to fail, uh, some, it's because someone became selfish. They took their eyes uh, off the Lord. I have this wonderful um, Spanish woman. <clears throat> Her husband is uh, on service with us, and she's a Seventh-day Adventist. And she knows her Bible inside out and upside down. And she, she has these conversations with people all the time, uh, the church people, that they're complaining about this, that, and the other. And she says the same thing to them. You're taking your eyes off the Lord. Stop taking your eyes off the Lord and keep them on the Lord. And don't worry about anybody else or anything else. Keep your eyes on the Lord. And I think that's, uh, that's great advice uh, for all of us. 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you know? that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst. And so here's your advantage. The spirit of the living God is living within you. You have that power. Once you receive Christ, you receive that Holy Spirit and you have spiritual discernment. You should have an eternal perspective because the Holy Spirit is there. And the only offensive weapon you have, all all the armor described in Ephesians is all defensive. The only offensive weapon is the, the sword of the spirit. And this is really cool. Somebody told me a story. Uh, when I was in undergraduate work, they, there was a professor there, a psychology professor that I had. And every once in a while, the uh, hospital would call him, the behavioral health hospital would call and say, this is not normal. We've got something going on here. And the guy was a Christian because I think this guy has got some kind of demonic influence. Can you bring some of your deacons and come over after church and pray with this guy and see, because we can't deal with him. We don't, know, we don't know what to do. So the professor after church takes a couple of his deacons and they go and they have their Bibles and they go in to the, to the patient and the patient starts screaming put the swords away, put the swords away, put the swords away. And the interesting thing is, is that the patient was blind. He was blind, but there were the deacons and the, and the professor there with their Bibles, which is called the sword of the spirit, which is just amazing. It's your only offensive weapon. And this is what we use. I uh, remember again, Jesus out in the desert when Satan tempted him, what did he do? He quoted scripture, quoted scripture. And that's why it's so important to get scripture down, down into our hearts. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And so it always goes back to God's word, getting God's word down into our hearts and basing our spiritual walk on what God's word has to say. Acts 3.16, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man in whom you see, whom you see and uh, know was made strong, it is Jesus' name and, and, and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you uh, can see. And so putting all this uh, together, uh, all the, the bases of Scripture, and when we're going through tribulation and it looks like there's nowhere else to go, our backs are against the wall. And just like the Israelites, they, God did miracle after miracle after miracle, and there they were at the Red Sea, waiting to drown, blaming Moses, and what did Moses say? Stand back and watch the hand of Almighty God. And so when you have things going on in your life and you think it seems like there's nowhere else to go, God needs to do something soon because I got no other options, that's when God steps in typically. Uh, he's never late. He's always on time, but he's always teaching us something. He's always teaching us something, that's for sure. 
And so he encourages us to just trust him uh, and don't give up because then we become anger, <clears throat> anger, we become bitter, uh, selfish ambition, fits of rage, the martyr syndrome. I can't believe God's allowing this to happen. We're supposed to meditate on his word because this is what it says. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can endure it. It's like a way out or the strength to stand up under it. Remember Paul? He said God sent um, a, thorn, uh, a messenger from Satan to torment me. I asked three times for him to take, take this thorn away. And what did Jesus say? My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you for my power is made great in your weakness. Now go to Galatians 5.16. So number three there, lock the doors each morning. What does that mean? Don't give Satan an in. Uh, Satan watches you. He studies you. He knows your weaknesses. You know your weaknesses. So every morning you get up, keep that door shut. Uh, he's just looking to stick his foot in the door and come into your life and turn it upside down. Uh, he studies mankind. He's been around a long time and he's ruined a lot of lives. He's ruined a lot of lives. And so we have to keep that door closed. Don't give him an opportunity. Galatians 5.16. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want to do. And so how do we gain ground in our spiritual lives? Live by the spirit on a daily basis, uh, you know, one day at a time, trusting the Lord, praying for spiritual discernment. And there it is. Your battle is not against flesh and blood but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so depending on the spirit on a daily basis. And so we need daily prayer. We need time in God's word uh, on a daily basis. And sometimes if you're at a crossroad in your, in your, in your life, uh, maybe for a time of fasting, what does fasting do? Um, back in the, you know, in the, the ancients would do it because it costs so much took so much time to prepare meals and so they would skip all that preparation and that meal and they would spend that time in prayer and so I think if you uh, fast for a time it, it, your purpose is to focus on the Lord and when you get hunger pangs you are reminded that I'm fasting because I'm focusing on the Lord and I'm looking for an answer I need an open door I need a closed door I need an answer and that that fasting that time of fasting and prayer allows you that quiet time with the Lord in order to listen to that answer that you, that you need. And so we have to be wary of the easy Christian life. Um, you know, Christianity should not be a, a continuous cycle of church events, outings and picnics and so on. There's nothing wrong with these things. Uh, but we need to also be reminded that we are to be dedicated to the Lord and his work. And part of that is reaching the lost, the broken, the disconnected, uh, wherever God puts you in ministry. Are we putting our faith uh, into action? Are we allowing God to stretch our faith? Uh, one of the ways you can do that is you know, sharing your faith with coworkers, family members, intercessory prayer. I've only been rejected once. I talked to a lot of people in my uh, life as a Christian, and only once was I denied to pray for somebody. Can I pray for you? It's always yes, yes, yes. And some lady said, no, get out. <laughs> so, so I left. <laughs> go to Ephesians, go to Ephesians 6. So if you close the doors, occupy the high ground, uh, Satan can't touch you. And if you're not stirring him up, ruffling his feathers uh, or his scales, whatever you, however you picture him, uh, then I'm wondering if I'm doing something that he likes. Don't give the devil a foothold. In other words, don't, don't let him in. Don't let him in. 
to your lives. James says you resist the devil, he'll flee. Number four, put on your battle gear. All that armor that you have, all that defensive stuff uh, that Ephesians talk, talks about. Uh, put it on, be reminded that it's there. You have the victory. He goes on in chapter 6, verse 10. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Remember, this whole world is a spiritual battle going on. And you watch the news and you want to talk politics and evil and dictators and all these things that go on. There are things going on behind the scenes that we cannot see, but uh, trust me, uh, they are there. You remember in Daniel, uh, Daniel was waiting for a prayer uh, or an answer to prayer. He was praying. An angel finally showed up. It was like, uh, I think it was 27 days later. He said, I got the answer right away. And it came, but I was in a battle with this prince of, uh, the prince of Persia. So it was a spiritual battle going on in the heavenly realms, holding this angel from taking the message to Daniel. I guarantee you that angel is still there. That's Iran now, that same angel. These, these fallen angels seek to influence world leaders in order to produce the plans that they want. And so when you see things that are so uh, j just, just out of control, mind boggling, like the, you know, the genocide that goes on and the uh, killing of children and the, I mean, on and on and on, there is things going on behind the scenes in the spiritual realm, I guarantee you that are behind this. You know, the things that were going on in Germany and Hitler, we know the SS were all involved in demon worship. And you got, I guarantee you Adolf Hitler was uh, d demon possessed, all this, behind the scenes that are just destroying God's people. The spiritual battle, it's there. Verse 18 in chapter six, and pray in the spirit, right? Pray in the spirit on all occasions with power and persistence. All believers are targets of Satan. Number five, praise, praise the Lord. Here it is. Praise the Lord. Talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Psalm 71. As for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, of your saving acts all day long. Though I know not how to relate them all, I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteous deeds, yours alone. But as for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteousness, of your salvation all day long. Though I know not its measure, I will come and proclaim your mighty acts. O sovereign Lord, I will pro proclaim your righteousness, uh, yours alone. And so one of the other things that we should be doing, <clears throat> that intercessory prayer, again, number six, um, is pray for others. We pray for others. Uh, people need prayer. M people always are appreciative of, of prayer. And when you say you're praying for somebody, actually pray for them. Put them on your list and, and make sure that you actually do pray for them. Um, you know, we're supposed to pray for our enemies and those who persecute us. We all pray for family members, co-workers, and somebody that has a need. Do you pray for your enemies? And I'm not saying, Lord, pray, Lord, destroy all my enemies and make them suffer and let them know it's because they did something to me. Amen. Now, that's the flesh. Uh, and it's hard. You cannot pray for your enemies and those who persecute you without the Holy Spirit. You can't do it. You can't do it on your own because you're not, that, that flesh does not let you do that. And number seven, start thinking of eternity. Rem be reminded of eternity. Eternity is a long time. It's for eternity. And we're only here for a little while. Uh, and so we have to constantly remind ourselves uh, that this world is not our home. 
<clears throat> there is a place that's called heaven. Um, a lot of folks say it doesn't exist. Well, the Apostle Paul said, I was taken up into God's presence into, into heaven, and I saw things that I can't even express. I can't even talk about. The, the Apostle John on the, on the island of Patmos wrote the book of Revelation, and he was describing incredible things, the crystal sea, the pearly gates, and on and on and on. And he's having difficulty describing what he sees. And as the old song goes, I can only imagine. I can only imagine streets of gold and on and on and on. And so I encourage you to fight the good fight, finish the race, keep the faith. And when you do, the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to you on that day, um, and not only me, but also you, all those who long for his appearing, uh, those rewards that are there uh, for those who got into the spiritual battle. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, <clears throat> keep us mindful of the shortness of life. Let us close each day forgiving and forgiven, since you may call us home before the next day breaks. Father, help us to have an eternal perspective. Uh, help us to be in the spiritual battle. Help us to have that discernment that we need. And Father, I, I, I pray for souls. I pray that we would come alongside of the, those that are lost. Uh, Father, that we would be uh, in prayer, interceding in prayer of, of those who have needs. And I just pray that you would, for each of us, that you would allow us to store up riches in heaven where moth and rust don't destroy and where thieves don't break in and steal. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.